Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. You know, this, this particular Sunday, you know tomorrow's a holiday? Right? What holiday is it? You, you, you're getting it. What is it? You got it backwards. Martin Luther King Jr. birthday. Yes, it's a national holiday tomorrow. And it's a national holiday. Yes, it's tomorrow. Okay. We'll resolve this in children's church, okay? I always think of somebody on this particular day, because on the Sunday before Martin Luther King Day, there was a man in our church who got called home to be with the Lord. He died a few years ago, a great friend of ours, an elder, Gary Bowers. And on this Sunday, Gary Bowers always wore a pin. I don't know if some of you remember that. He always wore a pin of Martin Luther King. Because when he lived in Atlanta, Georgia, when he was working down, the Bowers were living in Atlanta, that uh, he lived down there and he realized what an impact this man had in a very important part of the history of our country. You know, it might be hard to believe. I know some of you might think I'm pretty old, right? <laughs> I'm definitely not the oldest person in the room. <laughs> but you know, when I this not that long ago, when I was 11 years old, anybody here 11 years old? Yeah, Tessa, I know you guys are 11 years old. Look at that. When I was your age, believe it or not, in our country, the United States of America, there were places in our country where it was illegal for an African American to go to any particular college they wanted, to go to a restaurant, to sit in a bus where they wanted. That might be hard to believe, but that's in my lifetime. It changed. And you know, Martin Luther King was a big part of that, and the movement in the 60s to allow those freedoms. I thought about that watching football this year, watching the University of Alabama and thinking back and then no African American could even go to that university. And that's changed. I was only Tessa's age when that when that changed. And you know it reminds me in the Bible it reminds me in the Bible in Galatians it says this in the church, in our church and in the church around the world, the body of Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, meaning there is no difference between any of the races. In this particular case, it was Jew or Greek. There is no male or female. And there is no free or slave. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And you know what? When the Apostle Paul wrote this to the churches in Galatia, this was absolutely Unbelievable, this many people, that the Christian church would actually welcome any race, male or female, gender, or any status in society, rich, poor, free, or slave, that the message of the gospel that we sang this morning and the message of the church was that everybody could come. And you know what? The people who were against Christianity, who thought it was really silly and kind of stupid and so on, you know what they said? It's a religion for women and children. They actually accused the church of that. And they said, how ridiculous. That religion is for women and children. 
You know why? Because the Christian faith and the Christian church opened and was welcomed to women, children, men, Jew, Gentile, any race, any place in the society, rich or poor, they were all welcome to come and be a part equally of the church, the body of Christ. And that was a radical, radical thought in that day. And you know what? It can be a radical thought for a lot of people today. But I want you boys and girls, as you live your life for Jesus Christ and you share the love of God, let's make sure that we always let everyone know everybody is welcome. And we want everybody to be a part of this wonderful story of the message of salvation of Jesus Christ. Can we do that? Good. So nice to have you with us today. Aren't you glad you're here today? What a, what a different place. This just wouldn't be as much fun without you guys here in church. Right? So let's pray. Father, I thank you for these children. We love them. It's just such a privilege to teach them, to lead them. And we thank you, Lord, that we have a history as Christians, that we have a story that all around the world where the Christian church has had an impact, we have seen the impact on how people can be treated, how children are treated in, in so much better way because they are welcome to this place and they are welcome to the family of God. And Lord, you can use these children in such a mighty way, such a powerful way to share your love and your good news with their friends that they are going to be with this week. So bless them and bless their time together now in Christ's name. All God's people can say together, Amen. Okay, thanks for coming. It's good to have you with us today. It's good to have you with us too, all of you. You may not be as much fun as them, but you're good. To, it's good to have you here with us. <laughs> they are great. It's great to watch them. Uh, when we're having coffee here between services, I noticed they were having a lot of them a good time down in the gym playing basketball. And this, they just like being here and being with their friends. And I tell you, it's a wonderful thing that uh, they feel welcome and a part of this church. Because when our church was founded in 1964, the message is, the message was from our founding pastor that we are building a church for our children and youth. And we believe that. And they're here today. Many of us grew up in this church, and we want this to be a place where they are welcome, they are loved, where they serve, and where they are important. So thank you for making us, uh, making it possible for us to do that by your gifts, your encouragement, your support, and your leadership. We're going to start something new today, a new study. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, we're going to begin a new study from the New Testament, and we are beginning a study of the book of Colossians. Paul's epistle to the church at Colossae. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. We pray that our hearts will be open and sensitive and tender to your word today. And we pray, Lord, that it will never just be for knowledge's sake alone, but knowledge that will impact how we walk with you, live, how we love, and how we show the love of Jesus Christ. So bless our time together and also as we share the communion together as one body in Jesus Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. New study of the book of Colossians. And we're going to be, uh, so when we do a study like this, if you're visiting with us or new to our church, uh, we call this an exegetical study. And that's it. We're going to take a section each week and we're going to go through the entire book. So we'll take a while because we don't want to just rush through and summarize. 
Uh, we could spend much more time, of course, on every passage and every thought because there's so much in this epistle, this letter to the church at Colossae. And just in chapter 2 and verse 2, I want to suggest to you the theme for this study, and, and, it's, and it was pretty easy to find this. It wasn't complicated because you'll notice in chapter 2 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul begins by saying, my purpose is, others translations say, my goal is, my purpose, the reason I'm writing this. And he tells us, here's why I'm doing this. Of course, we believe the Holy Spirit inspired him to do this. We believe that all the words that Paul wrote were given by the Holy Spirit to the church, and that's why we still teach them and live by them today. And Paul says, here's my purpose in doing this. Here's my goal, and it's threefold. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart. Secondly, united in love. And finally, that they might know Christ. And notice he says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, that is, namely, Christ. So I, behind me on, on the screen here, I want to suggest to you that this is, our, this, this is the big picture for the study of Colossians. That we're going to study this epistle together and we're going to see Paul's teaching that we're going to find encouragement for our hearts and for our lives. Paul wanted to encourage these believers, this, this church at Colossae, this early part of the church and Christian story. We want to be united in love. This is so important in the Bible. This is so important. What we just talked about here, that as Christians, that, that, that people understand that we are one. We, we are not divided by, by, by money or economy, by, by age, by gender, male, female, by race by status or anything else, that we are one. And it's just amazing to think in that early church what, a, what an upset to the social status it could be to have master and slave in church together. And maybe the servant was, was, a, was a leader or elder in the church. And they come to church and they are, they are one in Christ. They are completely equal. And they go home and they're back to master and servant. I mean, how does this work um, in, in, in cultures where where, where children were, were not that valued in so many cultures around the world. They come together in church and, and, they're, and they're equal. These kids are equal with us. We are, not, we are not more important than these children that went out those doors. We are equal members of the body of Christ. But there's no racial divide. And in that culture where there was such division, it was, it was so radical. They were to be united in love. And this was to be something that the Lord Jesus Christ, remember, remember the last words of the Lord Jesus Christ, by this shall all men know you are my disciples, by your what? Love for one another. Francis Schaeffer, way back when I was a, man, I must have been in junior high or something, that very, very powerful but little book called The Mark of the Christian. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. What? By your love for one another. So we're going to look at this epistle and we're going to see the importance of being united in love. And of course... It all comes together that Paul says, I want you to, I want you to get to be intimate. I want you to get to know Jesus Christ. Not just as a religious leader, not as a founder of a religion, but I want you to know him as your savior, your God, your Lord, and how that will impact your life. So this is our theme for this study. Encouraged in heart, united in love, 
and knowing Christ. So go to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to begin a little bit shorter message today because we're going to share communion. And for us, uh, we don't just kind of throw communion on the end of a service. Uh, we make it part of our service and we want to share this time together with you. So we're going to have a little bit shorter message today. Uh, next Sunday, the passage leads right into the importance of the church worldwide. And it fit well to have uh, Pastor Gary come and lead us some, some thoughts on that and also have the team that went to Curacao share their ministry. So next Sunday we're going to do that. It'll be a very special time together to be involved and see uh, and of a ministry that a lot of us don't know much about, that they had first-hand experience on what Paul's going to talk about in the next few verses. Then from there on we're going to continue to study through and, and, and learn from the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, verse 1, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. The Apostle Paul was, at this time we believe, this is one of his prison epistles, which means Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. They seem to have all been written in the same context. And we believe he wrote these from, at the end of the book of Acts, in chapter 28, when he was in Rome, under what we call house arrest, but he was under arrest. And he was there for those two years, it says. And during that time, he sent letters to the churches. And he sends this letter to the church at Colossae. Paul was an apostle. The word simply means a messenger, a sent one. And he was one of the apostles that Christ sent out, that God called. And of course, you know, we know the story of Paul's conversion and sending out a specific commission to the Gentile world. That Gentile world included Asia Minor. The map up here is a map of what we would call modern-day Turkey, and northern uh, Palestine and, and Lebanon. And you'll notice on the map there, I have an arrow, if you can see this, that there's a, an arrow that points to the city of Colossae, uh, Syria, where we read every day in the news about today, would be in the northern part, north of Palestine. Lebanon would be south of that. And Colossae is a city in modern-day Turkey that is well inland, and one of the interesting things, and you'll notice several of those cities, Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, Tarsus, where Paul came from, Ephesus, Pergamum, Smyrna, Miletus, uh, Rhodes, where my father was born and came from. These cities are mentioned in the book of Acts. And so many of these cities are cities that Paul visited on his missionary journeys. The interesting thing is, as far as we know, he never went to Colossae. And we'll see that as we study the, the book, that it says, for those of you and Laodicea, people that I have never seen face to face. He wasn't the founder of this church in the sense that he didn't go there like he did to, to Corinth and, the, and, the, and Philippi and Berea and to uh, Ephesus and these cities where he went and founded churches and trained leaders and then moved on. This church must have been founded by those who were connected with his ministry when he was probably in Ephesus for three years. And there was traffic was back and forth to Ephesus and Laodicea. So it was probably during that time while he was in Ephesus that that church was founded. And Paul writes to that church and says, to those of you I've never met, I am writing this letter to you and I want you to be united in love, encouraged in heart, and I want you to know Christ. So, Paul and Timothy, Timothy is with him, and he says here, to the, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Friends, 
That is not a throwaway line. Grace and peace. This is not, you know, dear sirs. Okay? This is an epistle. This is a letter. It has all the marks of a first century letter. Um, back when we used to write letters. Okay? You know, by hand. Uh, you know, dear uh, Teresa, you know, I'm at Grace Bible College, you know, write and correspond. She would write a letter back. Solomon shared yesterday when he was at the academy how, how valuable it was to get mail, to open, you know, letters and to read these physical letters. And this is a letter that Paul has sent. It has those markings of a letter. And he begins it with a wonderful greeting. Grace, charis, charis, a rich word, undeserved grace, God's grace and shalom and peace to you from God our Father. Paul says this in verse 3. We always thank God the Father. Always. You know, as a Jew, Paul probably practiced, continued to practice his, his tradition of, of prayer, specific prayers three times a day, uh, morning, noon, and night. That was, the, that was his habit. And I'm sure he continued that along with his ongoing prayer. While he was in house arrest, he has plenty of time to pray. And I'm sure he, he continued that practice. And he says, we always pray for you. We thank God to you, for you. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Who have you thanked God for this week? Have you prayed this week and have you given thanks for somebody? As you pray for somebody and we pray, you know, we're going to pray for Bill this, this Wednesday as he goes in for surgery. Pray for Dr. Lindemann and he was in the hospital this week. Pray for our brother Sam Warmanhoven who was in urgent care yesterday and, and, and went home. Um, you know, we think of these people in our minds and, and we and we pray for them. As we pray for one another, do we thank God for friends and family and people that are part of our lives, the family of God? You pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. Friends, when you get those reports from our missionaries, from the national leaders and the pastors and the work around the world, for the, for those working with Christian martyrs, for those in difficult lands, we've never met them. Paul hasn't met most of these people. Paul hasn't met most of these people. Just like you haven't met several people that we, that we pray for. But we are one in Christ. And Paul says we pray for you. Why? We pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. You know, this word love in the Bible, agape, is, you know, because we see it so often in the Bible, we think it must have been a very common word. It was not. In fact, most of those who study Greek literature and the New Testament world will tell you this was actually a very rare word in the Greek world. It almost became sort of an exclusively Christian word. This word for agape that means God's highest love. This love that is forgiving. This love that is full and complete. This love that is not bound by how you get loved in return. Unconditional love. It became almost an exclusive Christian word, really. And Paul says, you know, I, ha I haven't met so many of you. I'm sure he's met some back and forth. But he said, I'll tell you this. I have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And I don't think he's just talking about their, their, their initial salvation faith. But of people who are living daily by faith. Day to day. Walking and living by faith in some very difficult situations. You know, it would be very easy in this, in this context. It'd be very easy, and especially as the years went on, for you to lose your jobs, for you to be persecuted, 
for you to suffer hardship. We have brothers and sisters around the world today. We have pastors that, that we remember and we pray for who are in jail today. Would, I, would Gary and Kevin and I, would we come today and stand up here and, and preach the word? Would I do what I'm doing right now if I knew that tomorrow I'd probably be taken to jail for doing this? We have brothers and sisters around the world who, who are going through that today, who are part of us. They are part of the body of Christ. They are living day to day by faith. And Paul says, Dear Colossians, oh, it's so refreshing. I've heard of your love and I've heard of your faith. Where does this love and this faith come from? What is the source of this? What is the source of your faith? What is the source of your love for the brothers and sisters, for the, for the church, as we serve and live together? And then that love for those around us as we share the love of Jesus Christ. What is the source of it? Are you able to just dig it up and, and, and actively pursue it and get it going? Are you able to live by faith? Or do you come to places in your life? And do I come to places in my life where we have to say, you know, Lord, I have to let, you have to do it. I, I can't do this. I have to let go and let, and let you do this. What, where does that faith come from? Well, he tells us here. And it's a very important verse. So as we go to communion today, I want you to notice this. Verse 5. He tells us where it comes from. The faith and love that spring, that have their source from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel, the good news. And he connects with this ability, and this is important for you, it's important for me. Our ability to love, to love even when there's no return of that love, to love unconditionally. Our ability to walk by faith this week, whatever you're walking through. To walk by faith. To live a life of love. Its source and the resources are the hope that is stored up for us in heaven. This is why in chapter 3, Paul says, we'll get to this, of course, down the road, where he says, since you have been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And we have this context and this conundrum a little bit that we are to have our minds daily set on heaven, set on our hope, set on the Lord Jesus Christ and our future with Him. But we are to walk daily in this life and have that change how we live this week. This day. And there's this connection between these two. You know, this, this word that's used here. And so, and so Cliff, we'll put up here. This, the, the hope stored safely in heaven, Paul says here, produces in our lives. There's a connection. Number one, it produces love for all God's people. Listen, friends, there is no excuse. There is no excuse for us not to love one another. And I've heard, I've heard people say, well, that's just not me. Too bad. <laughs> Change. Don't say that. This is a command. This is a privilege. That, yeah, we can be different. And there are some of us who find some people not as lovable as others because of maybe the, just the differences in our character and our personalities and the way we do things. We, we as Christians are gonna, we're gonna find that. 
you know, the, one of the biggest challenges in Christian ministry always is between people working together. It's just like your jobs. What's, what's the biggest challenge in your jobs? Isn't it generally people? Yeah. That's true. We all know that. And it's the same in Christian circles. And, and the idea that, that, that we are to, to have give and take, we are to, 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 to be loving to one another. And it springs because we have hope stored in heaven. Listen, friends, I've, I've thought to myself, there are times with maybe brothers in the Lord, brothers and sisters, where we, we have had quite a, a distinct view, or it's almost it's a break of fellowship. But you know what? We're going to spend eternity together. We're going to spend eternity together. So we, we, we have this privilege of, even with our differences, of loving God's people. And listen, friends, if we can't do it here, we can't do it for the world. You can't do it in your own family. You can't do it for the world. It begins with those closest to us. Secondly, our faith in Christ daily, our ability to walk by faith this week is connected to the fact that our future, our hope, our citizenship is already preserved and stored in heaven. Just like some of you have stuff in public storage units. You have stuff in storage. It's there. It's locked up. It's yours. It's waiting for you. We are. We have our hope. My hope. And this is the challenge. Because just like you, I, I, my feet are on the ground here in Shoreline. I'm going to be in Shoreline in Seattle all day and all week. My life is here. My job is here. My friends are here. My people are here. My finances, my health, everything else is here in Puget Sound. Um, I'll be going back to Michigan for a board meeting. I've got kids in Michigan. We've got friends all over the world. But we're here on earth. But our hope is in heaven. And the book of Colossians, hopefully, friends, as we study this, is going to help bring these two together. Because in the Bible, hope is not, I hope so, conditional, but it's assurance. I know it. That is where my future is. And, and before we go to communion, I want, you, I want to read to you 2 Timothy chapter 4. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy in chapter 4, and in verse 8 he says this. This is when Paul is coming to the end of his life. He's in prison now again, but this time his head is going to be taken off. I mean, he is going to be, he is going to be martyred for Jesus Christ. He's going to be killed, and he knows that. And it's going to be quick, because he's a Roman citizen. And he says this, as he looks at the end of his life, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. And it's the same word for stored up there. He says this crown is stored up, for, it's already there waiting for me. It's the exact same word that we find here, apokemai. It's stored up. It's put away. It's there waiting for me. And he knew that. And he was looking forward to that. And friends, you and I have a, a, this, as it were, crown. And this is not a matter, I, you know, this idea of rewards and so forth. This is a whole other study. But the point is, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have an eternal home that you are already a citizen of. It is for sure. It's a done deal. You are forgiven. You are saved. And we have that hope. But friends, that hope should radically affect how we live here. This is what this is all about. That hope stored up in heaven 
should radically affect how I love you and how you love me and how we love one another. And it should radically affect how we walk in faith each day because we know ultimately where we are going and what awaits us in heaven for all eternity. Hope. You notice that triad? And now abideth these three. Faith, hope, and love. How those three go together. Friends, do our lives, do they evidence to those around us? Does my life, my neighbors, the people in the store, people I come in contact with, people on the road, people I work with, you work with, is there something about your life, even with the challenges, even with the difficulties, even with the difficult people in your life, even with the politics going on in the world, even with the dangers in the world, the dangers in our own communities, even with all these things, is there anything about our lives that says to people, we are a people of hope. We are not a people of despair. We are a people who know exactly where our future lies. And because of that, we can live here and now, this week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week. We can live a life where this Scripture and the Holy Spirit and the hope stored up in heaven radically affects how we live, how we love, how we give, how we serve. Is there anything about our lives that says to people, we have hope? We're going to share communion together and ask the elders to come at this time. And we're going to share, the first of all, the bread to you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are welcome to share. This is not something because you're part of our church. You're part of the church, the body of Christ. We are going to serve this bread to you. And we do so as a reminder of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, the body that was placed on that cross and we sung about this morning. Come to you, all you poor needy sinners. That body that was broken and bruised, it was sinless and perfect, it was given for my sin and yours so you could have eternal hope. We're going to share this with you and ask you if you just would hold the bread for a moment. When the elders return, we're going to eat together as a body. Whenever we share the bread together, it just always reminds me that it's a good time to remember that we are part of something so much bigger and greater and wonderful than just us. This is a great place to be. A wonderful church to be a part of. But we are part of the church, the body of Christ. And we eat this bread together. I'm reminded there are people all over this world. Some have met and are meeting in beautiful cathedrals. Some are meeting in very simple churches. Some are meeting outside in the elements. And some are meeting in secret because of the danger but they're meeting and they're breaking bread together 
because we are united in love. And this is why the Lord told the Apostle Paul, and Paul relayed to the Corinthian church, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you, you together. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat together as a body of faith. Father, we thank you for this just small reminder of the fact that though many, we are one. And the sum is so much greater than the parts. For we are part of the body of Jesus Christ. We are the church, which is His body. What a privilege to eat together and to express our unity together today with our brothers and sisters here and around this world. In Christ's name, Amen. We're going to share at this time in a moment the cup. What's in each cup is just a small amount of grape juice, the fruit of the vine that our Lord Jesus Christ shared on uh, that last supper with his disciples. And he said, I have eagerly anticipated eating this meal with you. I was looking forward to this. Even though hours later he would be in agony and sweat, as it were, drops of blood. Some people, many people, have criticized Christians for making a big deal about the blood. But we make no apology. The Bible makes it clear that life is in the blood. Anybody here who works in the medical field can attest to that. And our Lord Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross and he shed his blood, gave his life. He died. He's God. He died on the cross of Calvary and he shed his blood that we could be forgiven. Because God's anger, God's holy wrath against all the sin of the world was poured out on Jesus. It's because of that that you can be forgiven and I can be forgiven. Because God's wrath against sin has been satisfied. And it was the blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sins. We make no apology. We celebrate and lift high the blood of Jesus Christ for we are forgiven. And the Apostle Paul went on and said, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this cup, bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and he is coming again. That's our hope. Let's celebrate and let's drink the cup with thanksgiving together and have a moment of quiet reflection. Father, this empty cup reminds us of the empty tomb 
the empty tomb because the Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, victorious over death, conquered sin and death, paved the way for us to have new life, to have forgiveness for sins, and to have eternal, secure hope in Him. We thank You that our hope is safely, securely locked away in heaven, but it's the grounds for our love for one another, and it's the grounds for our service to You, and it's the reason that we have faith in You and will walk by faith no matter what comes this week till we gather again. In Christ's name we pray together. Amen. Thank you, and elders, thank you for serving. I hope you understand. We don't have a lot of liturgy tradition in our church, but we do serve communion this way. I want you to know that these elders love you deeply. They love you deeply. I know every one of them very well. And we are, we are so privileged to have godly men like this who love the family of God. If you ever have any concerns, you need to pray with someone, you want to talk with someone, they're, they're, they're open. And they are here, they're at the doors, but you, you talk to us. We love to serve. These men love to serve, and I thank God for them. And also, I'm not sure what jogged my memory, but sometime between the bread and cup, I told you I'm not the oldest person in the room, but I do forget some things. And also I remembered when I was talking to these kids here, I was thinking about the kids, and there was a little girl over here with her hand up, wanting to say something, right? Uh, you should have reminded me. I made myself a mental note. When I got done talking, I was going to ask her, now what did you want to share? And I forgot. So if that was your daughter or your friend that came with you today, uh, please express my apologies. I would love to know what she had to say um, because uh, she was very expressive. And uh, she was the one trying to get Martin Luther King in the right order there. Okay, uh, So I'm sorry about that. But you know what reminded me when we go this week? Uh, you don't have to raise your hand and talk to God. You don't have to have set times. God wants to talk to you. God wants to talk to me. And I forget that so often. And, you know, I just want to share this verse with you as we leave this place today. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Serve the Lord with joy and gladness, and don't forget to talk to Him this week. You don't have to raise your hand.